Hi, welcome back to Big Dyke Energy. This is Gala Mukamalova. I'm Rose Blakelock. And we're just diking around. Yeah, just dikes around town. Really excited to share our second episode with you. So let's just dive right in, shall mm-hmm. we? Gala, I'm wondering, can you take us on a trip down memory lane to a time long, long ago, say 2004, January to be precise? Do you remember where you were and what you were doing? Yeah, I think that I do remember. I think that I was probably sitting in my bedroom and getting AIM chat messages from my friend Natalie, who Mm -hmm. I just reconnected with because we'd gone to elementary school together. And at that moment, we were probably... I don't know, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And we'd found out that both of us were queer, which is very, very, very rare in the Russian community to actually be identified as queer instead of just fucking all your female friends and not talking about it. Right. Um, And Natalie would text me to come over to her house to watch what she called lesbian prawn. Which, in fact, was The L Word, because she had Showtime. The L Word. Eileen Shakin's, you know, special delivery to us young queers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those were times of magic. I remember I was also 17, and I remember having, I was out to my mom, and I had a conversation with her where I was like, Mom, it's really important there's a lesbian TV show. I need you to order Showtime so that... I can invite all of my lesbian friends over because I lived in a college town. It was Antioch College, which was like a huge lesbian population for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so like literally sometimes every Sunday night, like a dozen 19, 20, 22 year old dykes would come over and we'd all watch the award in my living room with my parents. You knew all those dykes? I knew a lot of dykes in high school. I spent my teen years dating college age lesbians and it was. Um, I mean, who didn't? Yeah, true. <laughs> I it worked out great for me and it's still my my type I guess not college age mind you uh five <laughs> to six years older just want to be clear <laughs> oh, I've actually just expanded my range oh yeah by how much I don't know at this point you know my cutoff tends to be somewhere close to 50 okay fair enough but, you know, yeah. it's just case by case. So but it's like anywhere from like a May, May, July to a May, December. Yeah. 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 Sarah Paulson, Holland Taylor, we're looking at you. Oh, my God. Speaking of L word secondary characters. Holland and Taylor. Holland Taylor. Hasbian. Yeah. She brought that term right in. She really did. But yeah. So I remember being really excited. Like, how did you feel about the L word? Oh, my God. It was a really confusing emotional time, I think. <laughs> um, like, my girlfriend kept telling me we weren't dating. This is hasn't changed in my adult life. Um, and, and I would just, I was already just so turbulent in myself. And then I would watch this show that I was hungry for, you mm-hmm. know? Starving, and really. Starving. And, and you know, there was a lot of community around it. Like, even when I wasn't watching it with Natalie in her house, eating Pop-Tarts or whatever the fuck, I would sneak into bars. Like, I'd sneak into Ginger's or what was that bar called? Caddyshack. And oh, they, yeah. And they would do screenings of the O-word, and there would just be so many dykes around, and I would be like, this is heaven. Really what I remember and loved most about it was watching all the other lesbians watch it yes. because when I actually turned to the screen, I wasn't seeing the people in my community. No, there was a huge problem with representation and like pretty early on in that show and one that continue never really seemed to self-correct we'd get like a pittance but it really just you know it was some wild fashion while like shane's hair just kept getting worse and worse which you didn't think it could but then it somehow it did and, and the bitter irony of her being an alleged hairstylist like, <laughs> which i guess though haven't you had that experience where you go to get your hair cut and then like you walk in and you're like oh you but then I guess you can't cut your own hair, can you? But then it's like the TV convinced us that it was cool because then everybody had Shane yeah, hair. They had terrible Shane. It everybody was, a... was trying to make leather vests happen. Well, and the L word imitated LA and then LA imitated the L word. I don't know if you went to LA within 
the years of that show. But it was wild to watch. I remember I went to this bar, Foo Bar, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everyone was wearing like those weird Shane leather vests <laughs> and like had that crazy weird drowned rat with a lot of hair gel hairstyle and then a lot of these little like derby hats mm. that nobody looks good in. Do you think that the L word was actually the beginning of sort of tv culture telling dykes how to represent themselves whoa well let's go back like what was our first i mean i mean did ellen tell us how to we did no. start wearing flannels or was no, that pre-dating? no no because that's like i just feel like ellen was in the show like ellen was incidentally a lesbian right the yeah, show, yeah. you know whereas opposed to the l word which was like oh this is a show about how lesbians are and then all these lesbians are like oh this is th- how we are this is how we are living loving laughing which like again as you touched on like i didn't see myself and i thought like maybe that's just la but Mm-mm. I don't know. I'm... I think we were all told like, oh, that's just a particular crowd. But then it was so like everything was a mirage, you know, it's like they didn't even how could it be in L.A.? How could a show be the, be located in the epicenter of Latinx queer culture <laughs> and have like one majorly focused on le- like lesbian Latinx character who is played by a person who is not even fucking Latinx. Yeah, pretty sure. So Poppy and Carmen, right, who are the two characters that yeah. we saw, were both played by Southeastern Asian actresses. Mm-hmm. I believe Carmen is Persian and Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Shahi. And then um, Poppy, Janina Gavankar, I believe is Indian. And it's what? like, just let those people then play their fucking cultures. Yeah, instead of having this weird, like, it just didn't make any fucking sense. And it was a shame, too. Like, this is a turbulence because you're, like, attracted to Carmen. Like, Carmen is hot as fuck. Yeah. But then you're good. also, like, kind of feeling like you are co-signing on Absolutely. this weird erasure. At the same time, she's one of maybe four characters that are black or POC on the show who have, like, a main storyline. We've got Tasha who comes in towards the end. Mm-hmm. Also, finally, an actually butch character. I mean, wh- who are you talking about? Tasha? I'm talking about Tasha, yeah. right? You have Kit, who really doesn't get to fully exist as a person on no. the show. Poor it's kid. like fucking. How do you disrespect Pam, Pam Greer, Greer like, that? like that? Like, can you like? She can't have a fucking sexy storyline to save her ass. She's like dating some kind of man nanny. That's what they fucking give her. Yeah, who wears guyliner? Which is like fine. I'm into like all expressions of gender and sexuality, but there was something about that that felt the- so like weird like aged out panic at the disco about like his presentation like i just didn't like we basically got the like acoustic good charlotte like what was happening with mangus i don't know what is the it's like just his name is what was happening with him also like can we can we do her like some more favors with wardrobe and makeup like i I mean you know as we were talking about it's like this is if we're going to give out signs on this show, like this is the fucking Leo yes. of this show. She's the fucking heart. And I have, you know, I have a super lo- family focused, super so family loyal, focused. generous, giving. All she wants is to like have a place where she can like share with her community. Oh, my God. I also sometimes, you know, in the many times that I've rewatched the full fucking show, and it's been many times, I have often come to the conclusion as, you know, when you start to read it as a writer and you stop watching it, that in some ways the show is entirely about Bet. Like people think it's Mm, about Jenny. They think it's about Jenny, but it's about Bet because it follows her trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just a way in which you're really there with her emotional story. And so even when you're with the other characters, they are fulfilling something about her own personal soul path in a Mm. way. I mean, as a watcher, this is what I came to. And for me, Pam Greer is fucking Jennifer Beale's heart on that show. Yeah. You know, so she's just a, She's the most like so fucking sexy, so fucking beautiful, so fucking talented, and just in the what is there like Pluto on her the whole time? <laughs> is that what's going on? Yeah, it's just Pluto conjunct Sun all the yeah, time. Yeah, just that's her chart on the show. I mean, it's not not that right. Like, 
you don't really get a lot about like her childhood. It seems to all be like this domineering, disappointed father figure going on with mm-hmm. her. She's really living in the underworld, right? She's the only person who like fully confronts like her addiction and trying to like untangle her sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I could see that if she's a son and Pluto's just living in her chart. Of yeah, life. for listeners, Pluto on your natal chart and your son can often indicate an obscuring. Yes. Um, just of your presence and, and yourself and identity, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you can't pull it out primarily from yourself, actually. Yeah. But in the case of this show, I can see how it could work for the viewers as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so speaking of signs, yes, here we come to our impasse because talking about Kit naturally leads us to Bet. We just can't get it together. We can both agree that Tina is a cancer. We really fucking can. But I firmly and staunchly believe that Bet is a Capricorn. And I just have always gotten that Taurus vibe from her. Now, here's the part where we need to remember and keep in mind the whole chart. Beyond the fact that these are fictional characters, right, who like may or may not be fully developed. And when we talk about the chart, we talk about the natal chart, not the chart as an Alice made a chart. Right, but speaking of which, that's some Gemini-ass shit it to like totally connect the dots between every shit. fucking deck you know and then like keep a scorecard for them and keep it on a dry erase board do you remember the initial version before she gets her like beefed up app it's literally just alice in there like basically connecting red threads on a bulletin board between yeah, every lesbian and pleasure LA. wait we're, digre- we're digressing <clears throat> digression yeah. um into into alice territory but okay, i think that bet must not be overlooked stay your case for okay tours. i just think that bet is totally a fixed sign Absolutely. Oh, okay. No. I fucking got you. <laughs> no, I thought I was like, you're going to say earth sign. And I was like, sure, I'm on board with that. Anyway, no, go she ahead. is earth. She's earth. But I feel like she's also fixed. I feel like she was born the way she was and she's troubled by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel that, you know, as Taurus is ruled by Venus, is ruled by sensuality and beauty and also material goods, the fact that she runs the fucking art center and is a boss ass bitch for me is really indicative of like a Taurus boss ass bitch. Right. Now, to me, I feel like Capricorn embodies a boss ass bitch. I would also say that Bet is an initiative energy. I think that Bet gets things going like a cardinal sign. I would also say that Bet is incredibly concerned with status and stature, right? Like she has to rise to the top. She has to have like the most important exhibit at the CAC. She is very career oriented, right? The reason that she and Tina's relationship falls apart is because she can't stop working and then fuck somebody at work. That is a classic. If a Capricorn's going to cheat, they're going to cheat at work with a coworker, her and Candace. I she mean, also has that like mean daddy, like soft mommy dynamic with Tina, which is such a Capricorn cancer access. Hmm. All right. All right. I can, I can see that. I can see that. You know, it is true for me now that you're talking about it that I'm remembering that time. Well, first of all, no, wait, I got to go back. Okay. First, I want to say I don't believe that that is the reason their relationship fell apart. <laughs> One. Because if I was dating Bet and she fucked that hot carpenter, I'd just be mad she didn't bring her home. But then... <laughs> Hot Carpenter, if you're listening, message me. Candace. Candace, can you hear us? Candace, you're so hot. Uh, number two is now that you're, you're talking about like gets things done, I'm thinking about that scene um, where Bet is supposed to help Tina get pregnant. Yeah. Uh, and they're at the gynecologist yeah. and the a gynecologist, obstetrician, what, however she identified, yeah. uh, is like it would really help if you got her off. After it's implanted or before, and bed is all like here, and I just feel like that's some Capricorn shit. Thank you. Because I feel like actually a Taurus would just be like, "Well, that's just what we're doing then." Exactly, and like the slow plotting, methodic thing of Taurus, I feel like doesn't. I guess you could also say the Capricorns are slow in plotting, but like they really fucking are. That's their whole thing. Yeah, that is it, but it's like a different vibe. Because I think, I just feel like Capricorns have a longer game and bet is like, I must conquer the art world. I like, this is my legacy. Yes, she does decorate her home with art. And yes, she does have like a sensual connection to it. But it also is partly about showing off. 
I mean, I hear that, but I want to say that for me, looking at Vet's trajectory is also thinking about what it means to be like a biracial woman in a field where mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people of color who at that juncture are like at the top of the field. Sure. And having to consistently prove herself as an innovator so that she can actually be taken seriously. Did you say innovator? That sounds like cardinal energy. (laughs) (laughs) You little bitch. A little bitch. That's me. I also would say that like Taurus is more interested in like heart than home and building and building that nest and staying in, which probably would not have as much conflict. You're thinking about cancers. That's not. They don't build a heart than home. Taurus Taurus, Taurus, Taurus is build. They build outside and they make a good, like they make a good, like they don't nest. They're the providers. See, I think that's Capricorn. All right. All right. We got to get past this. Yeah. So we're going to agree to disagree. We can agree that there is definitely some earth energy. And again, like whole chart, again, fictional characters. It's true. But I think that she'd be a Leo rising. Um, Oh, interesting. I think oh, that hair is like, just so beautiful. It's a hair. That hair is really lovely, yeah. But I mean, then also, I know, it's fine. We can, we can, we have to get past. <laughs> we have to get past it. So you know, Alice, we're both pretty on board with her being a Gemini. It's yeah? so true. You know, I just want to take this moment to talk about the number of weird people Alice dates and how yo, that that's yo some she's got to be. Shit. It's got to be Gemini shit. But don't you think she's an Aqua Moon? Yo, I just think that, like, the unrealistic way that she declares her love and then also, like, who she pursues sometimes. Do you think she's also a Cancer rising, which would make her a 12th house sun if she's a Gemini? Meaning she, like, you don't think so? No, too deep. Okay, all right. I don't know. Okay, because, like, I'm thinking about the fact that Alice is the one who's dating, like, a lesbian man. Like, literally a man identifying as a, like, a cis dude identifying as a lesbian. Also a vampire. She goes on a date That's what I was going to fucking a vampire she's like calling people from the cellar like oh shit this is a vampire and then like great listen no shade at all to people who identify with with vampire sexuality because i was in that facebook group for a while (laughs) and um and i thought it was super rad and i've also definitely had a lover for a while who like loved to suck blood and i was like cool uh visceral (laughs) 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 so i get it i get it but i think that like i just feel like that's a lot of air stuff like that's a lot of like how weird can you get yeah which is definitely aqua moon Mm -hmm. yeah all right okay i'll buy it i'm on board all right you know what let's just like let's just pick up some easy sort of um places of tension for us but also easy to pin down we got dana r.i.p yeah so I think Dana's a Sag. I think she's a Virgo. So why do you think she's a Virgo? I think she's a Virgo because she has obsessive thought patterns, is mad insecure, very focused on health and body, and uh, like just like can't like she second guesses everything. There's no swagger or confidence, which I feel like I associate with Sag. I also don't think that she's necessarily particularly intellectual, which is part of like the problem that she and Alice had. Well, so well, but I guess Virgos are intellectual and very analytical. Yeah, Virgos are really intellectual. And they share really Mercury analytical. with Gemini's. And they're also really charming, actually, mm-hmm. when they want to be, because they're mutable. So mm-hmm. they know how to like relate. They know how to get in with the group. Yeah. Half the time, you're like, how did Dana even get in here? Yeah. Like you're kind of looking around, being like, did they know her from like fucking private school? Like, what is she doing in this fucking group where all these dykes know about being dykes? Yeah. And it's not that Dana's not, she's just, she's not out, but also she's like, how can you tell if a person is gay? And I'm like, Dana, what are you playing, a 14-year-old? <laughs> you know? It's like everyone's like, you have to look at her nails. And yeah. it's like, oh, is that is that how you can tell if somebody likes to have Fuck non-normative women. sexual <laughs> life patterns? Okay. But, you know, for me, Dana's a straight-up Sag. And okay. I And I say this with love because I have found many Sages sexy. Uh-huh. So let me be clear, not all Sag. But like the fucking blurty awkward shit that Dana's always <laughs> saying, where it's like I feel like there's like yeah episodes. she does have like dad joke humor too yeah but also she's just like there's episodes where she's kind of like blurting about women walking past and mm-hmm. you're just like what the fuck are you doing and also she's just a fucking athlete you know yeah I just I feel like in terms of 
something really conventional, I would definitely just give that Sag button right over to her. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, either way, it seems like we're both pretty on board with her being a mutable sign. And but, she's definitely yeah. not a Gemini and not a Pisces. But nope. you know who is? Shane. 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 Big time. At first, I wasn't on board with this. I was like, maybe she's an Aquarius. Maybe she's a Sag. I do think there's some some fire in the personal planets. But Shane messy Pisces at their detriment just leaking leaking Pisces energy for me like I gotta say you know shout out to all the Pisces women I fucked when I was 20 <laughs> but it's like I when I saw her on that screen I was like you they were all you <laughs> <laughs> right that like Peter Pan like can't grow up like to me that's very much the way that Pisces often manifests in like a mask energy it's like still kind of fey it's not it's somewhere in the middle there and there's like a real like I don't know things just happen like there's this weird receptive like magnetism that goes on with Shane where it's like if you notice like yes she's a Lothario but she's never going out looking for people like people just come up to her yeah, well, remember that's like the first episode where they go to that party uh-huh. and then it's like, what is it? Like Melissa Bet. Etheridge's ex-partner. <laughs> oh, oh, Tammy Lynn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, like runs out or whatever. And then somebody and then like Bat turns to Jenny or something. And then she's just like whenever Shane enters a room, a woman runs out crying. Yeah. And you look at Shane and she's just like, oh, I just I love women. I just I just I am just being me. I don't have a plan. That's the point. You know, but then also it's like. The, you know, there is a depth of feeling because she's so fucked up over Sherry basically the whole yeah, time. The whole fucking time. But she can't even, like, she feels too much. Like, she feels it all. She feels it so deeply that she's just, like, first of all, she's in, in a non-reality world. She's, like, fucking this, like, straight-identifying yeah. billionaire's wife. Yeah. And she's, like, fucking up real relationships. Carmen. Carmen. For fucking Sherry, who, yeah. you know... Hot, okay, again, intergenerational plus plus. Yeah, Rosanna Arquette, thank you, thank you. Thank you, love it. But also, like, just a fucking bitch, right? And, like, uh, like just, like, sort of just, like, feeding Shane drugs. And Shane loves those drugs. She's, like, a Pisces. Pisces. Also, <laughs> when she's, like, snort- snorting Oxycontin and running into the ocean. She's like, just, like, returning to her home. She's, like, I don't know where to go. This is where I am. Yeah. Ooh. Like, Shane is... Every sign can be in their detriment or their exaltation. And I think that Shane would be an example of a Pisces in their detriment. And when we think about Pisces, we also have to think about their rulership, which is Neptune, right? So Mm -hmm. that's things like addiction and illusion and fantasy and like lack of boundaries. Speaking of lack of boundaries. Jenny. (laughs) How'd you know? (laughs) Uh, I don't know, Gala. (laughs) I mean, like truly, truly like... We must admit that there are two Pisces on this show. Absolutely. And I like I I don't think that any show, unless it's intentionally like consulted by an astrologer, is going to be like, here, we have one of everything. I mean, why would an astrologer even tell you that? Like, when are your friend groups one of everything? Yeah, really. And like people cluster together. and Pisces cluster together because they're like the only ones who can <laughs> fucking believe each other. You know, it's like it's like Jenny's like, oh, my God, the manatees were talking to me. And Shane's like, huh, whoa, cool. Yeah. And only two Pisces could have like a man move into their house and then videotape them without their consent. And then still, for some reason, let him keep staying there and then devise like a strange way of like, holding him accountable that involves like a stage spoken word performance with writing on their stomach. I have to say, I have to pause our discernment of astrology, science, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm digressing for a second. Sure. Because I want to say that the moment when Jenny came out with those letters written on her body saying, is this what you want? Is that what they said? Yeah. Oh, and then she was like, you want to feel like me. I want you to fucking go out there and walk the streets naked. And anybody that wants to touch you, you say, yes, please say thank you. Yeah. Well, that fucking radicalized me. I'd never seen anything like that on TV before. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I, I want to say that like Pisces can be really radical, creative thinkers. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And like the other thing that that maybe was revolutionary and cool about Jenny's character is like 
despite how self-serving a lot of it was and how manipulative she was like she did talk about her childhood sexual trauma and like they made space for that on the show and she like did talk about like how that you know informed all of her relationship dynamics and the way that she moved through the world and that her like creative process was like a tool and modality to like visit those wounds and find a way to try to transform them I mean listen I have watched this show as I've said way too many times and Uh, as I came to the idea that the story was all about Bet, I also realized I didn't hate Jenny because we all know Jenny yeah so like while everyone is so happy to hate Jenny I didn't hate her because I felt like she was a real character like I knew that one Mm-hmm. that was a woman that i fucking knew yeah you're right she had like a few more dimensions and it's like yeah you can see how somebody who's experienced that kind of trauma um can then turn to a kind of um manipulative way of moving through the world that's like trying to like protect herself and her story and her agency over it well yeah like that part where she wrote the book and she didn't really consult with people but she was sort of like well this is my story it's my trauma so i deserve it and so you know in this is like a classic example right of when like you have a traumatized population and then because they're not really getting the help that they need they start to traumatize each other they perform the same patterns right and so they like exploit each other and betray each other Right. And because they're products of this fucked environment, even when they try to create a utopia, like they're still bringing all that baggage with them. I guess that's another digression. Yeah, it's totally a fucking digression. But so so Jenny Jenny Pisces. (laughs) (laughs) I also just want to take this moment because we're going to really I feel like we are um, inherently interested in taking Eileen to task. So I do want to take this moment to thank Eileen for bringing Xena Warrior Princess in the last episode to find out whether Jenny for died. real, Lucy Lawless thank was a you. gift. It was a pittance. It was a pittance, but, but I we'll just, take it. You she's, know, she's one of my roots. I used to watch Xena with my dad. It was just. Do you remember when they got like married, Xena and Gabrielle? Oh my god! Truly, one of the first gay kisses. You know, they don't talk about it, no. but it's important. And also, this is one of the shows. There's a lot of radical writing about this on the internet, but this is one of the um, the shows that changed the its trajectory in accordance with its audience. Right, it responded to the audience yeah. in a way that like we're seeing more of now, and certainly with like social media and smaller scale media think there's like much more of a feedback loop mm-hmm. right but whereas I, think, I feel like the l word could have done a lot to really tune i feel like the more audience. criticism the deeper they shoved their fingers into we their were just ears. like no don't do that to max they were like you know what we'll do to max next oh poor max is max a virgo Oh, my God. I mean, I clearly Max has to be a Virgo because Max was so good at everything that like he taught himself how to do. And then he just like always wanted to improve and do better and learn and so detail oriented. Oh, my God. And consider it, too. Right. Like he's so worried even when he like goes on that date with like that transphobic daughter of his boss. He's still so worried about making her uncomfortable, disappointing her dad, how it's going to affect his dynamic at work. Oh, God. When it's like you were actually like somebody just was incredibly disrespectful and transphobic to you. And then like your response is still to like try to caretake and like mitigate whatever conflict is going to arise out of it. I mean, I felt I felt for Max through that whole show. Like there was never a moment where I felt relieved or happy for Max. Like I was always just like, what? How are they fucking with Max next? And it's like, I get it. Maybe. That if we are to talk about TV as a as a representation, like a true microcosm, we if the show pretended that it was like super fucking mixed and super cool with trans people, it would be a fucking lie. Right. But like, what kind? Do we need to watch the violent truth all the time? Can we have? Can we have at least an imagined world where we take care of each other? Yeah. Well, and there's something really radical about imagining like a reality that is is better than what we have and i mm-hmm. think that uh you know i think that until we're never you can't get there without believing that it's possible and one of the ways to believe it's possible is to like project that idea you're completely right and also i think that the show you know it was it's like a, a limited scape of even accepting what already existed like there where were, are the trans dykes on the show none there were none right none there are no trans dykes. There were no dykes. very few like mask of center characters. I mean, 
I mean, we get Shane, who's like Futch at best. At Tasha, best. finally real Butch. What was that? Season four, season five? God, Which like, Tasha. what does that mean, real Butch? I feel problematic saying real Butch. Well, like, you know what? As somebody who identifies as a Butch, I, yeah, you can say what you feel you want it to say. As a long-haired Butch, I didn't see people who looked like me. I saw like mostly femme presenting and then like just some weird again the style was so wild i feel like what i saw is butch like i want to say first of all that i think as somebody who was like looking for butch people to fantasize about um you were stuck with shane for a while (laughs) (laughs) i mean listen like i saw shane but i'd already fucked like four girls that look just like her so i was like i was disenchanted um and and then when she fucked carmen up i was just like don't even i can't even look at you you you, like noodly haired bitch And and I want to say also that uh, just digression. Oh. Uh, give me ten seconds. Yeah. That I was deeply invested in Shane McCutcheon because I had spent the summer before watching Young Americans, mm. which was a show on WB Eleven where Shane McCutcheon plays a like a gender nonconforming person who yeah. sneaks into an all boys school and she goes by Jack, mm-hmm. and then she falls in love with this guy played like by a, a, an actor who I remember is named Ian McEwen, but probably not. Okay, that sounds like almost Ian McKellen. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he <laughs> but that's like, an he's old like, man. He's no. Well, that's not it. He's just like this pretty boy, and then they were like making out together, and then yeah. he, and then the boy thought he was gay. So it was a great, it was like a great trajectory because he was like, oh, I'm confused, and then she like whips out her boobs, and she's like, I got these. But I was like, this is great. I'm enjoying all of the different yeah. ways that this is happening. Meanwhile, Kate Bosworth is on the show. She's a fucking mechanic. She works at a. That's hot. You know, so I. I was like, when I saw Kate, first, I my desktop was a picture of, of Kate Menig as Jack. As Jack. <laughs> I was like, my fucking desktop on my fucking HP, you and know? And then instead you get this scraggly haired, over gelled person trying to make a leather vest happen. Yeah, like, it's just hurting and the people. flared jeans. Doesn't know how to talk, you know, whatever. Uh, she's so traumatized, so we have to forgive her. Um, and then, okay, but then the carpenter. And I was like, who's the carpenter? And the carpenter right. to me is The Butch. carpenter was like an LHB for sure. Okay. And then also like Tasha to me, it was Butch. Definitely. And then also. Dusty. Dusty, Butch. But then you're looking at these women of color, right? Who mm. are really used as like, like props for people's affairs. Yeah. You know, they're not really given true stories. I mean, Tasha is, you know, she had a, she had a run. She had a run, so like yeah, we can Tasha we can lead up be, to Tasha, and she got to have her own story too, right? Like, yeah, she got to illustrate. But did we ever like, meet her family? Like, no, no, we don't meet her family. Do we even see? A, I don't even remember if we see a backstory. I think we see some stuff happen. There's some military flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think like the predominant narrative is out of like her and Alice's relationship, and like there is an interesting. They did do some interesting stuff there politically. What do you think Tasha's sign was? We didn't really even get there. I mean, I feel hmm, you'd have sense to be of duty. You have to do gem. Is she also gem sinistry. a Virgo? No. No. She's no. in the body. Is she an Earth sign? Is she also Taurus. Yeah, I feel like this show maybe was Taurus heavy. Wait, who's the other Taurus? Um, the other Taurus that I think is um. Wait, no, now I don't remember. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? You were thinking about bad. No, it's you not bad. Well, Taurus. you and I had talked a little bit about Helena possibly being no. a Taurus. No, well, you know what? Mm, I think Helena is an Aquarius. Really? I feel like Helena is a Libra. Mm, I could see Libra. I feel I like see she's Libra. Like, concerned with like high society. She often spends beyond her means. She loves beautiful objects. Like She's very put together. Like... Mm. Oh, maybe it was Marina who I thought was a Taurus. Oh. Because Marina's like super sensual and a little hedonistic, right? Yeah, but there's just something about Marina that doesn't quite fit with Taurus for me. Okay. Well, what do you... I mean, also, I know this is kind of left field, but like the other thing that I thought was Scorpio for... Is that fucked up? What? Scorpio for Marina? No. I think I think Marina... Can be. I think there's like a couple. Is that like Mars Well, if energy. you think this show is Taurus heavy, then we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to do a duo. The old polarity, I right? Know. Because I think, 
I think that so my venture right is that Carmen is a Scorpio and I have oh and I, have I thought Candace the Carpenter was a Taurus oh yes yeah but she it's not well then there we have it we have these sort of like are all the sexy butch brown women Tauruses it could be and maybe Eileen Shaken like has a thing for Tauruses but like because like Dusty can be kind of Taurian too in a way yeah for sure I could see that because it's just sort of like minimal language like lots of physicality but also like a sense of deep like like deep like loyal like like the vault yeah you know well, well like also to me i feel like taurus is a sign not all signs do i have like a striking physical feeling about but for taurus i feel like there's very much like there are physical attributes that i very much identify with taurus mm-hmm. and i feel like one of them is literal face structure and the placement of the cheekbones like when i think about Kate blanchett and those fucking cheekbones and her nose right Classic really taurus yeah she's really? a taurus yeah but i i guess i don't that's you think not she's a leo Cave Blanchett. Yeah. Do, do we actually know her? Son? No, I do know she's a Taurus. Oh, it's not that. It's just that I guess I don't because of some a lot of the Tauruses that I've known have been like thicker, rounder people. Sure, right. So, and so I it's don't like that lithe body is not something you identify. So I think of them more as like um sturdy, like mountains of a people, mm-hmm. like just like a way in which like when you look at them, you like feel the way you do when you look at a mountain. And they have like a presence, and they yeah. like they shall not be moved, right? Like yeah. that's very much like a Taurus integrity, I mean, cool. integrity, and like maybe prominent, strong shoulders too. I feel like so I that's what Natasha like. I will not be moved. Like uh huh, that mm-hmm. kind of that was the feeling for me. Um, oh well, it's so, okay. Here are my here are my Scorpio ventures. Yeah, um, Scorpio ventures, Carmen. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Jody. Oh yeah, big time, both of them. Um, and if you think about it, they kind of function similarly in the way that they challenge. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, those are the, when I watched both of them, I just related because it's like, I was, I was Carmen. I mean, it wasn't as fucking hot as Carmen, but like the way that Carmen related to Shane, I understood it's like Scorpio work because you're in there together with your watery mm-hmm. shit. You're all like, mm, sensuality, I feel it like yeah. water, water, water. But then like Scorpio is all like, let's get to the part where we transform. Let's get to the part where... Where do we become the phoenix? Yeah, like when do we like slough off this old skin? When do we become a better version of ourselves? And then, you know, fucking Shane is all like, what is a better version of myself? There are like so many versions of myself and one of them still was Sherry. And then like... Of course, I also want to say Carmen then beginning to sleep with Jenny is also some Scorpio shit. Definitely like... like She's it's like, like, oh, you don't want me? Oh, you 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 don't care at all? I'm just gonna fuck your roommate. You like that? You see that? How do you feel yeah. about that? I've I've actually already <laughs> tied her up to the bed. I'm actually pissing on her in the toilet. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> it's so real. But also to me, like the other big moment is um is when they get into that fight right after she cheats with Sherry Jaffe and she comes home, and um and like they take a break in fighting to get mm-hmm. food. And, and Carmen opens up that box of pizza. She's like, what do you want, Shane? What do you want, Shane? Sausage or fucking pepperoni? And starts throwing pizza at her and then hits her with the fire extinguisher. I was like, that's some... Um, I've experienced that rage. It's like such like a Mars... Co- it's like that anger ignited by um, by sexual sabotage, right? Yeah. So it's like the Mars-Pluto perfectly interacting. Oh, God. I okay. mean, none greater is the anger than a Scorpio scorned. It's true. It's yeah. It's true. And, and I, wish, I wish also that could... indignity too of like it's the I indignity. don't do you like this. Why it's the indignity. fuck would you do this yeah. to me? Yeah. Because it's like I feel like you got to have something else to be throwing shit. Yeah. Because Scorpio played the long game with their anger. Sure. Right. It's like Jody played that fucking long game with oh her anger. Oh my god, that is actually the perfect example of a Scorpio revenge plot. I know. I was like Jody. For those who don't remember, Jody made like an entire immersive installation piece. About like just fucking dragging bet in front of the entire fucking so amazing CAC or whatever or not there it was when she was at the university and also like big ups to Eileen for having a deaf woman on the show although I sure. love to see people of more disability on the show absolutely because the queer community is varied because we are not normative about who the fuck we find sexy and who we want to fuck yeah. and also most people with disabilities don't travel alone they're in community True. deaf women know a lot of other fucking deaf women yeah. and there are a lot of fucking dyke deaf women so True. it's like if jody is like not chilling with hella deaf women like yeah, what was up with her weird retreat party where it was like a bunch of dudes and straight people that is that was a confusing moment for me in scorpio land although i returned to scorpio land when jody was just like 
suck it up. Yeah. And fucking be your best fucking self. Yeah. And I was like, like, these are my friends. This is what we're doing. And I was like, Jody. Yeah. Oh, Jody. <laughs> it was fucked up, actually. I felt I felt for bet, but I also just recognized that like Scorpio indignity, where you were just like, why can't? Why don't you want my and friends also, to love you? Don't fucking embarrass me. In exactly. Front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And like, if you have a problem with this, like, we're gonna talk about it later, but not here. Here, we're gonna like. Which is like at first you think like that's a Libra thing, but Mm-mm. I feel like that's been my experience with Scorpios is like if there's a problem, we do not talk about it in front of people. No, because why would why would I want to show the world yeah. that like my love is not powerful and strong totally. and unique? Yeah. No. What other so did we talk about Tina's a cancer? Oh my god, Tina the fucking cancer. I mean, she just wants to be home. She just wants to be loved. She is she just seemingly I mean there are a few times where she does get agency right and when she gets pissed she gets pissed like remember when she turns over the table at the planet I mean that's the thing it's like cancer rage is like it gets pent up because they're like I'm taking care of you I'm taking care of you I'm fucking taking care of you I just want to go back I'll say like I think a lot of people didn't really like Tina from the beginning I think that maybe because she presented more normatively or there was a way in which people do have some biphobia around her for sure and I think also people were really invested in Bet and even though Bet was like an asshole to Tina in a lot of ways there's like something that happens where you get you have to choose sides much like in queer community right now if you think do you think that had the L word like, for instance, with this reboot, do you think that there's a chance that they're going to delve into, like, poly community and behavior? Because I feel like in the last 10 years, a lot has shifted as far as the conversation. I mean, it- I mean, sure. But at that point, like, Ethical Slut was already out. Like, yeah. Wendy Omatic had published a book about polyamory. There's so many polyamory and books And queer out. folks are usually ahead of the curve with that stuff anyway, right? It's true. I just, I mean, the thing is that I think... Bet had to be troubled. And so they wanted her to be a cheater. Mm-hmm. They wanted Bet to be a cheater. But I think that sometimes Bet's identity as a cheater sort of eclipsed the more nuanced and, for me, compelling narrative of her trying to understand how to identify herself as a biracial woman in, mm. in, like, in her field and like in a family where she didn't feel like she belonged and like in a actually a community full of fucking white women skinny white women (laughs) you know so i think that like the whole obsession with bet the cheater which she was and that's how she was written in some ways weakened a storyline that to me was imperative and far more compelling and we get like a little touch on it when aussie davis comes in right her and Kit's father yes and uh, we get to like see a little bit more of that and we also get to see the ways in which uh, she and Kit move through the world differently and identify differently and on the one hand Bet is afforded a lot of white passing privilege but on the other hand like Kit is more like secure and comfortable in her identity because it's like without question mm-hmm. I mean but also and she's also straight right except for whatever's going on with Ivan which like God. What happened? God. Speaking of clumsily handling gender variants, like, I think Ivan's non-binary. But then I feel like... Who can say the show won't even, like, it won't even let us, like, sit with Ivan and get to know Ivan as who they are. No. You know, it's like, I gotta say, like, when I watched Ivan perform I'm Your Man for Kit, I was fucking wet. I was like, yes, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because also speaking of like having some variance and representation, especially in those early seasons, Mm -hmm. right? But then it's like, what do we get? We get that Ivan's a mechanic, that Ivan is like really into Kit, and that Ivan is like in recovery, but that's kind of... And that's great too. Like here is another chance for us to have a truly remarkable and compelling storyline. Somebody who is in recovery, someone who is just beginning to deal with their addiction, somebody who is like from a home where like maybe they have had to sort of be the more normative one, totally. you know, and like be stable in yeah. that way. And and then meeting somebody else who destabilizes their idea of gender totally. and attraction. And actually them have clearly fucking having a 
chemistry. Yeah. Everybody could feel it. And then it's like also the moment where Kit, you know, comes upon Ivan and Ivan is changing and there's this like stone butch moment or whatever. And like, yeah. and Ivan's like, fucking no way can you come in and just like Without interrupt. knocking and calling, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, these are all incredibly vibrant, nuanced moments that for a glimmer, we think, oh, I'm going to see a story that I've lived that I that I can or even that I haven't lived, but that yeah. I want to know more about. Yeah, it seems like we got teased in and then like ultimately disappointed. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, And part of that. Right. It's the dramatic show. So every season they have to heighten the drama and then it eventually becomes a fucking right. soap opera. Right. Like and, it, and if you think about it, unless something's carefully crafted. Like when I think about story arcs and TV shows, it's like unless they kind of reverse engineer it and start with like a known ending, mm-hmm. usually things just spiral really quickly, especially with six or seven seasons. <laughs> I mean, like, who knows? Have we touched on all the main characters? Uh... We've talked about Dana, Tina, Bet, Kit, Shane, Jenny, Max, Jody. Marina, we never really gave Marina a sign. I mean, she did come in and out. I can't, I mean, I, I can sort of go with this idea that she might be like the other Scorpio isk, but I feel like if you think about Jody and Carmen, you know mm-hmm. they are Scorpios in a way. Like, that's very clear to me. Whereas Marina begins to be sort of iffy. Um, but she does have that like directness. I want to talk about that directness a little bit. I just thinking about, like, and also as thinking about Jenny as a Pisces and like, I don't know. Like, what would have that draw to her? Like, I I could go with Taurus. I feel like... Yeah, you think so? Well, what, she runs a cafe. She's, like, pretty centrally driven, right? She loves good food, fine wine, beautiful women. She just, like, goes after whatever she wants. If you think about... Like, there's kind of... In my mind, there's two ideas or ideals or archetypes of Tauruses. We have the Hierophant. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have like the keeper of the old garden tradition who Mm -hmm. wants to maintain things and maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. And we also have the hedonist. Right. Mm -hmm. Who's like more pleasure, more sensuality, more whatever. I don't care about the rules. I'm in my body in the moment. And to me, like that's kind of what's going on with Marina. Right. Like Marina doesn't give a fuck. She's totally unscrupulous. She just wants to like like she sees something and she wants it. So she's going to get it. Right. And she doesn't care that she's, like, going to break up this marriage and send, like, Jenny spiraling through a fucking identity crisis because she's like, I want to fuck that pretty young thing. You know what? I want to say at this juncture, then then I'm going to descend. Like, I feel like Tauruses do have a deep sense of, like, not fucking people over in a way. Like, there's a way in which, like, Taurus likes to be hedonistic, Mm -hmm. but they'll be hedonistic on their fucking own if that's Mm. if that's the case. Like, they like hedonism when, like, everybody is GGG. Like, I feel like a Taurus, like, you might have, like, she might be Taurus son, but there's got to be something else that's like, fuck it. I have a wife. You are confused. The ability to rationalize. Yeah. Like, yeah, but they have an open relationship and an understanding. And then it comes out that that's not even her primary partner. She's married to that count. Oh, my God. So she, like, has a husband, story. then has, like, a primary partner. And then also, like, well, she's away. Well, Francesca is away. They do whatever they want. So they actually, now that we think of it, they are in an open poly relationship. How many Tauruses do you know in open relationships? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, okay, but like, what if she's like an Aries Taurus rising? Yeah, Aries. Speaking of Aries, Poppy. I just want to also shout out to the L word. I can't remember. I was recently watching the episode with Poppy, and I don't remember many other references to astrology, but once Alice develops the chart on the internet, Mm. there are astrological signs on it. And when Poppy shows up, with her numbers growing, there's a little Aries glyph underneath that. Of course, of course, of course. She's like, but she's like that quintessential, like, loud, like, firecracker Aries. Like, yeah. fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, I'm gonna fuck you, fuck each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more or less. <laughs> and then I guess See that, like, later. Pisces Aries tension, right? The semi sextile tension would make sense between she and Shane, right? Because mm-hmm. Shane's like, 
whatever, man, I don't really care. And she's like, not super competitive, right? Mm-hmm. There's a whole basketball game. And like, Poppy's like, the basketball like, game, fuck me up. That basketball game is literally, I think that's the episode I've watched the most. It's the like, one where they're like, these are the actual dykes that live in LA. Yeah. And this is the one, and these are the ones that we made up. <laughs> yeah. There's like the five minutes where you get like a little bit of actual real representation. And they're like, okay, back to fucking La La Land where we made a fake LA in Canada. <laughs> Which is real. That's what they did. They shot most of the show in yeah, Canada. I think I heard that too. Yeah. All right. So I think we done. We did all of those. Like we did some side characters. Yeah. When we normally talk about Helena and what we came to, you think that she's a Libra. I, think I can she's get a Libra. behind that. Although, like, she doesn't have genuine connections with very many people. And then the one person. Shit. Well, not all Libras, <laughs> right? Hashtag. <laughs> no, but it's like you know, a lot of her relationships are perfunctory, or they're like, per- or mm. it's about like. You know what? Society. You know what? 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 Okay, I am just kind of curious about. I feel like Helena might be a Virgo. Why not? Why are you saying no? So because she's not considerate enough to be a Virgo. She's the worst roommate. First of all, first of all, you think all Virgos are considerate? Second of all, second of all, I just want to think back to all the things. That Helena thought she could fix with money. I don't think, but I don't think that that's a Virgo attitude. I feel like Virgos are like, what if I buy you this? What if I buy you that? Will that fix our relationship? No? No. Should I strike this from the record? Am I being real negative? I mean, Um, I don't know. I just think the other thing that I think about is like, it makes sense to me that like Helena comes in as a villain that nobody really likes or gets along with and then miraculously and magically charms everyone but that like the strangely strongest relationship is with Alice who if we've already picked as a Gemini it would make sense that like Alice starts out being like fuck Helena Peabody and then the next thing you know like Helena Peabody is staying on her couch that's true I guess I was just thinking about the way that like Helena was like I'll you know like I'll I'll get the plane for these people I know that she's rich but I'm just thinking about like her fix it's like the Mm -hmm. way that she's sort of like I will control this situation and I will like buy this thing and I'll get this thing and I feel like I guess when I think about Libras I often think about control that's more undercurrent like it has to do with relations Mm, so you feel like because it's overt yeah, like I just think that Helena was really controlling on top, even with like if you think about her relationship with Tina, mm-hmm. um, I think about the way that she was like super controlling to Tina. And that's so funny, right? Because Tina the Cancer could kind of handle it from the Capricorn mm-hmm. because they had a natural balance. But the moment that Helena, yeah, yeah, I said it. Yeah, I just I said uh, it. Wow, I, I came over, over to you. Um, I'm okay. flexible. But like when, <laughs> when Helena. When Helena was trying to be like telling Tina how to how to live, Tina yeah. was like, "You better back the fuck up." Yeah, that's true. She's like, "You don't fucking." And know I just me. feel like Helena wasn't really passive aggressive with Tina, which mm-hmm. is like Libra territory. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like Helena was trying to change the way that Tina was by like doing all these like subtle things. She was like straight up controlling her controlling her with money often. Yeah, but then is that Virgo though? Virgo is. Then I go back to the Taurus thing. You think so? Yeah, it sounds like a Venus world person. I think we're getting closer and closer to Taurus. Is she a Capricorn though? <laughs> she could be a Capricorn. Capricorn is ruled by the devil, and so gambling is hella in line. Mm-hmm. And then like her money is inherited, presumably from old her, money. Yeah, it's like old money has coming been down money. the line. Has been money. So maybe Helena is a Capricorn. She is very obsessed with status. She could and be she a Capricorn Libra rising. She is without her money. She yeah. could be a Cap Libra rising. Yeah, that would make sense. Because then it's like she's got that sort of like fragile beauty on top. Yeah, the elegance, you know. But underneath that is like a deep sort of like material. And need. her security is tied to material wealth, and it's like she doesn't know who or what she is without it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I'll close on that. Nice, nice, nice. So there we nice. go. I think we've really got the signs of the. I mean, here's the thing: we could go into every fucking side character for the we rest really of our lives. We really could because we watched it so hard, so long. I think I've watched. I watch each season. I mean, is it worth mentioning Lara? Lara, sweet, sweet Lara. Sous chef. Sous chef. I get cancer vibes from her too, but in a different style. I feel like um, 
I get Sag vibes from her heart. Oh, so you think that they're Sag for Sag? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so she's like a little more extroverted Sag. Yeah, like she's sort of like the Sag that Dana wants to be. Mm-hmm. That's I get that a little bit. Just mm-hmm. because, well, I think sometimes there's just certain kinds of colorations that also can sagify my, my lenses, which is like, mm. I feel like that sort of like bright pinkish hair. And not just her hair like that. You know, she just had that kind of energy. Aura. Yeah. Huh. I mean, sure, her hair is a part of it, but there's just like, I feel like, you don't know, feel like Laura was like kind of the most fucking emotionally developed character. <laughs> Laura, yeah. Laura was actually like the Laura. best character on the whole show. Yeah, like she was just sort of like, oh, this is an emotionally uh, abusive situation, so no. <laughs> yeah, so I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but I'm willing to I'm willing to co-sign. Yeah, you know, I mean, nobody's... Pre- it's, I feel like with side characters, you can't even really fully pressure it because they don't really get the journey. They don't get, and they are not fully developed. You need to see enough journey. interactions to like it's really... It's like, we can... I mean, it's like... Shane had so many fucking lovers and it's like hard to even go around go into depth with all of them yeah you know or to really think them through so I mean that's what we think about the astrology and you know I think we've touched on a lot of the problems and issues that we have with this show so looking to the reboot you know dare we have any hope do we think it's going to be more of the same are there things that we think can and will change like what's our wish list what are our dreams I don't know. Well, I do think that... When is this reboot scheduled for? I think it's later this year. I mean, okay, like, Chiron is going into Aries. So we're going to be really working with our, like, our wounds in identity and Mm -hmm. sexuality. Yeah. Um, Especially because I think that they might be hitting a lot of eighth house. Yeah, for sure. So... I could see, and then at the same time, you know, we're also looking at Uranus Uranus moving into Taurus, which is like, we're going to be approaching things from a much more real and like sensed and experienced Yeah, and um, thinking about value systems too, right? Exactly. And what what we look look at and to as well, what kind of exchange we're looking for. Yeah, and is where is is Jupiter still in Sag? Jupiter is in Sag. It's going to move into Capricorn, and then it's going to conjunct Pluto. That can be a tough a tough moment for uh-huh. um, just like moving forward. I mean, because I think that what Jupiter has taught a lot of people in Sag is having to do with like a wider sensibility about our well, an expansion of what's possible exactly too, right so i think that there's a lot of people who are excited about new ideas and thinking about things in new ways but we're gonna hit a huge capricorn moment in january of 2020 that's gonna kind is of that, yeah when does when does jupiter move into capricorn uh, i'd have to look at an ephemeris but it's gonna happen i think around december because when did like Jupiter just moved into Sag like around October, November, I believe. Well, so I guess I would think that Jupiter and Cap after, I mean, as it always goes, but in terms of generational movements, like mm-hmm. after having spent all this time in Sag when they're probably been in the writing room, mm-hmm. right? Moving into Cap, which is about doing the work, being methodical. Yeah. Um, and that can, that expansive energy can bring a real sense of commitment to sure. the work so you know i would hope i would hope that they have been really paying attention to their audience and how it's changing and how we demand more now we're not as hungry anymore no. we've had the real l word we know what a white girl with dreads can do and oh not do in the God. world how about just like not have dreads white girl dreads that's what i'm, <laughs> I'm sorry let me clarify how about white people just i can't believe we still have to have this conversation you know, I just really think Ani DeFranco fucked up a generation. Oh, you're right. She really did. They were pink. People Her got confused. And, she and Rusted Root, like, really just did some damage. I mean, also wasn't, like, the woman from Four Non Blondes. And she Linda also... Perry is unclear, but definitely questionable. Like, I think that because of our oversaturation of media, people can now get more focused about things like cultural appropriation and media and 
um, aesthetic and musical production where like in the 90s it was like Tracy Chapman singing Tonight the Riots Began and that's what fucking people were talking about and they kept fucking talking about it you know so also I think that a lot of the focus was different sure you know because I do think that there were a lot of really generative queer people of color black people yeah. who were doing really they were pushing important back. expensive yeah. Work. yeah but it just i think that now that there's a bigger sort of um availability for voice yeah there's also um a wider net for the kind of concerns that come up I think there's also more of an understanding, like an integrative understanding of like, actually, these are all connected. Mm-hmm. Like actually, like the way that you aesthetically present needs to align with your political views. Fuck yeah. You know? Okay. Demand number one from Eileen and the rest of the writer's room for the L Word reboot. Trans dykes. And not just femme trans dykes. Butch trans dykes. Non-binary trans dykes. Fucking more than one trans dyke. Demand number two. More authentic diversity. Let Latinx characters be played by Latinx actors. It's true. And if they're Persian, great. LA has a huge Persian population. Let them be Persian dykes. Yeah, exactly. And I want to do um, a demand number two, A, B, yeah. which is that if you've got characters on the show who are latinx persian indian any any identity that has been like underrepresented in our media uh especially japanese women japanese dykes oh my god la has a huge japanese dyke population represent them but if you're gonna represent them on the show you better have writers that know about those lived experiences oh my god demand number four can we get lena waith on board lena waith in I, anyway, with, I love you. I'm talking um, in the writer room. I'm talking cameo. I'm talking uh, in my DMs. Yeah. In, in any way. <laughs> it's on my show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I really love those pictures of Lena and her partner. So this is just me fucking around. Yeah. I mean, we, we respect it. And res- I respect it. Unless you're Polly again, then please. Uh, demand number four, five. Where yeah. are we? <laughs> Disability, represent disability, represent disability in myriad inclusive ways. If you're going to have a deaf dyke on the show, she better have fucking deaf dyke friends. Give her a community. How come she has to hang out with a bunch of crusty, musty ass dudes? Yeah, no musty crusties. But it doesn't just have to be disability that is deaf community, you know? Have a woman with a wheelchair. Have a woman with autism the fuck like come on we think lots of things are sexy that's what queerness is about and like really we cast a pretty wide net like you can too also body diversity please body diversity please you better get beth ditto on this show get beth ditto on this fucking show get lizzo on this show oh my god beth ditto plus lizzo please uh, have them perform at the planet like can then, you imagine that and then make out and then make out for sure. Also, like, can we... I got really excited just talking about can it. Can we get Kit some better makeup and wardrobe? Like, do Pam Grier some fucking justice. She is a sexy fucking lady. She's a goddess. Is How she... are you going to do that? Oh, God. Is she coming back? I have no idea. I know that Sarah Shahi is definitely coming back. I know that Lisha Haley is coming back. I know that Kate Menig is coming back. I mean, those are my main... You know, and I also, I want to see more trans men on the show, too. Absolutely. No, you're right. I mean, they're part of the dyke community, and they always have been. And not to couple them together, but in addition to more trans men, like, can we get some more butches, please? Can we get some long hair butches? Can we get some futches? Can we get, like, some cool bondage dykes? Can we get... Metalheads. Leather daddies. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, the leather community. And don't make it a fucking joke. Also, this is very petty, but... How come Dana was the only dyke on this show with a cat? <laughs> How, where are the dog lesbians also? Because there has to be, if there's a... How come Mangus is the only one who plays acoustic guitar? <laughs> <laughs> what is the equivalent of somebody who plays the acoustic guitar now? Is it still the same? Like get Emily Wells on the show. Like just get you. like Emily Wells on the show. Please. So these are our demands. Um, we get to just pretend that we have a right to make them because we're yeah. just so fucking privileged. And Eileen, like, if you want to um, 
if you want to hire some consultants, we're available. Mm-hmm. We'll even, we'll be your astrological consultants. We we'll help be. you make those choices. And I also want to say that LA has a huge Russian population. That's just a shout out hey. for me. So just think about that. Yeah. I mean, there's a real dearth of Eastern European representation. Armenian? An Armenian dyke? It'd be amazing. A butch Armenian dyke? <laughs> You're like... <laughs> Are you excited or totally terrified? I mean, is it, <laughs> I'm in a state. Just just those words put me Girl's in a little in bit a of a state. state. <laughs> so I think that about wraps up this episode. Gala, where can people find us online? Well, we have an Instagram. It's called Big Dyke Energy Podcast. <laughs> and we also have a Gmail account. It's Big Dyke Energy podcast at gmail.com yeah, send us a little note if you want us to talk about something if you've got some real gay questions for us and of course if you enjoyed what you just listened to please subscribe share like rate tell all your friends mm-hmm. tell your girlfriend tell your cat <laughs> tell the women at your knitting circle put it on your personal that's what you like to listen to <laughs> till next time till next time bye guys bye Big Deck Energy is produced and engineered by Rose Blakelock. It features original music by Nida Cuts. Logo design by Sharon Russo. Let's process.